Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and The Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data, and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am joined with David France and Clint Wright with the Workhorse Saddle Chair Kickstarter campaign. David, Clint, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. So David, you're a chiropractor and the managing director, and Clint, you're the marketing manager for Workhorse Saddle. I'm really interested to know, where does this idea come from? And I assume, David, it came from you. So talk about the inspiration behind the Workhorse Saddle Chair. Well, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time in the pipeline in reality that the, the original idea was seeded when I was at university back in the in dark ages when I was writing track work. So we're going back 20 years originally. While I was at university, I was riding out at a, at a racing stable, just riding track work or warming the horses up for the jockeys before they rode track work. And then I'd trot off to uh, myself, off to lectures. And I'd, I'd do that for two hours in the morning and I'd jump off the horse and I'd feel, feel great, alive and invigorated. And then I'd go off to uni and sit through three or four hours of lectures and I'd just feel dreadful. You know, you do that for long enough and I very quickly worked out that there's something therapeutic about sitting in a saddle and conversely there's something just absolutely deleterious to your back about uh, spending time sitting in a regular chair. That's where it started. The idea has just never been able to go away. I even started tinkering in those early days with just putting old saddle pads um, on stands, fiddling with, you know, different ways of, you know, hybriding a saddle into a seat. The whole idea has evolved as I've gone along. I've obviously graduated as a chiropractor and just treated thousands and thousands of patients now. So, uh, you know, from there the idea really has just steamrolled and got, instead of going away, it's just got stronger and stronger in my own head. Impressive. So I'm assuming you've gone through multiple iterations while creating these chairs. What did that process look like and how did you go about deciding what features to include in the design? In the early stages, as I said, it was just sort of grabbing different saddles, different styles of, you know, English riding saddles, dressage saddles, Australian stock saddles, racing pads, um, and finding what's comfortable. And then, then I moved you know, sort of uh, as I progressed, became a bit more sophisticated than I approached a designer. And then we actually came up with different shapes and sizes. And, you know, if you're faced with one, functionally, it had to be comfortable. And that's the most important thing. And sitting on a saddle, there's certain challenges you've got, particularly for males, putting pressure in particular areas, but also because you carry your weight only in a small in small areas, sitting on your what's called your issue tuberosity or your sitting bones. So there were challenges there with the shape. Official prototypes, I'm probably five or six, but unofficial and just tinkering away with 
um, shaving down bits of uh, PVC and styrofoam. I've you know I've, I've twenty different shapes and 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 sizes before I've I've settled on what we've got now, and I'm I'm thrilled with what we've got now. I uh, I, I really think that's one of the benefits of the chair. It's really genuinely comfortable when you as soon as you sit on it. Absolutely. You've sent a few to our office and all of my employees love sitting in them now. They're completely changed the way they work, you know, with standing desks and posture and everything like that. It's definitely been an increase in productivity on my side as well, having these chairs in my office. It does give me a lot of joy when, um, you know, we've, uh, well, I, I, I trounce them around Sydney Harbour and uh, Bondi Beach and, you know, in front of the Opera House and a few icons in Sydney and, you know, just stopping people in the public and, you know, videoing them but photographing them and just having them, one, look at it but then sit on it. It's uh, it's satisfying. You know, they, they jump on it and, and, you know, to a man, they, uh, they put a smile on their face and go, wow, that's comfortable. Yeah. I was definitely surprised the first time I sat in it. I thought it was going to be a little bit more uncomfortable, like, riding a horse potentially, but it truly is a comfortable seat, you know, in, indeed. So Clint, let's talk a little bit about the prep work on the marketing side leading up to the Kickstarter campaign. What did you do prior to launching the campaign to put yourself in a position to hit the funding goal in under a week? Yeah, well, I guess first and foremost is just looking at our own network and um, really, you know, both David and myself have have an extensive network across Australia, New Zealand and in the Asian region in Hong Kong where David works between Hong Kong and Sydney. So a big part was really just, just looking at, I guess, what we call the low-hanging fruit is people that knew us, people that knew the, knew a little bit about the story and, and were ready to find out more. So really building that database and we worked really hard on building a really solid database to, that we would have from the word go as soon as the campaign launched. Also just looking at, um, I guess, just looking at the... The crowdfunding market in general, and I'd had experience in a few smaller campaigns, quite Australian focused, but really wanting to take this to more of a global stage and and um, realising that the US was very much a, a critical aspect of the marketing campaign for us. And David and I waited up and had a look at, at our experience in that market. It was quite limited. So looking at um, bringing on a partner that we did in Eventsy that that were able to help us tap into audiences, particularly in, in Facebook and looking at those media contacts that would, you know, pretty much take us years to build, being able to tap into those audiences of known backers and people that back projects in Kickstarter was critical to, to us hitting the ground running with the campaign. And finally, it was also just creating some moments, some um, Key events that we rolled out, uh, key launch event in Sydney, um, in Hong Kong and Macau, tapping into all of our business networks and contacts, which gave us an opportunity to officially launch, create some momentum and buzz around the campaign and and really get behind people behind us from the word go so that they really understood what we were trying to do. And we were uh, delighted to, to hit our funding target within five days, which was a lot of hard work from the promotional side of things, but also just a real endorsement to the um, the time and the effort that David's put in in terms of the design and getting the product right because, like like you said, Roy, you, you sit on the chair and, and it really is a wow moment. You get and it's the aim there is to change the way that people sit, think about sitting in in a completely different way because it's you know it's doing its damage and and we've seen you know through our backers in the campaign over fifteen different countries purchasing a chair that it's a. It's truly a global issue, um, back pain and, and associated health issues from sitting for long periods at our desks. So 
good to get product out there finally and and really get um, get some feedback from the market, which is what we're using Kickstarter for. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the campaign video. I really enjoyed the story that it told. So what was the process like there and how did you guys go about deciding what to include, what not to include in the campaign video? You know, we went back to sort of marketing 101, thinking about, you know, the strategy and the message and marketing is about solving people's problems, right? So um, understanding that that somebody has a problem or a challenge to solve and and solving it in, in the best way possible in a way that they can understand. So very much that that simple problem solution messaging. You know, how do we how do we really highlight that problem? People have got an issue out there in terms of health issues and back pain and strain. And, and we really just wanted to highlight that and remind them that it, it is a big problem the way that they're sitting. And then obviously we've we've got the powerhouse of chiropractor before David France's name um, and having worked in the industry um, both as a lecturer at university and you know running successful practices for 20 years and seeing thousands of patients we just it was a no-brainer to just really tap into to David's experience there and also got the unique story of his equine experience as well and, and riding horses so just wanting to bring I guess all of that thinking together the main challenge for us I think was trying to communicate a methodology and an idea that is quite scientific in its basis and the danger of, of getting bogged down in you know too much I guess technical speak around anatomy and and how the concept works was the real challenge for us so we've obviously tried to use some some simple motion graphics and bringing together some split screens to show you know somebody sitting in a with poor posture in a normal chair versus the work or saddle chair versus a horse um, saddle and and really trying to morph that together and get get the message across really quickly was the was the aim. And we sort of we came in probably a bit longer than what we had hoped at the end. Um, sort of all the research showing that you know anything over three minutes on Kickstarter with a video, you you're in danger of people switching off. But we've been pleasantly surprised with you know that our stats on Kickstarter showing that a large percent, you know, about eighty percent of people are watching the video all the way through to the end. So we've obviously captured their imagination enough to to want to see it through and, and see what it's all about. So you guys undertook something most campaigns don't do by launching seven different versions of the workhorse saddle. In your video, you mentioned some of the pre-campaign testing that you did within the audiences of coming up with different styles, designs, etc. What made you guys launch all seven products instead of just launching the individual ones, say the pro version? Well, a couple of main reasons. One natural metamorphosis of the of the product you know different applications just absolutely presented themselves that i felt had to be addressed and then the fact that also brought in different price points and there's no doubt about it you know to to, to find something that's dramatically different and and look at it for and then take a leap of faith and say you know and for for a significant spend that doesn't necessarily not everybody's willing to take that step. So I wanted to have a different price point, but also the, the stools I wanted in there because it is a different application and we don't just now, the workplace is different anyway. We don't just sit on a pro on a, on a long-term work chair. You know, there's a lot of up and down in your workspace, a lot of hot desking. So I felt like the slide and the rise were great applications for those too. So, so yes, it added a complexity to our offering, quite obviously, but I thought it also brought in, well, the, the, the different price points, but also the variety of applications, which I thought 
could stimulate people's imagination, and and I think it has, even though without doubt the most uh, popular um, offering has been the pro. Absolutely. So talking about, you know, your experience with your backers so far, I see you've gotten quite a bit of feedback. Obviously, before you launched, you got a lot of bit of feedback. How have you gone about managing that and then promoting that with the campaign in terms of engaging your audience and then working with them on potential product upgrades or changes to the product? Yeah, there's been, uh, it was actually quite overwhelming to, to start with, um, to be honest, Roy. We were off and running, like you said, and just absolutely inundated with messages, whether it's through the Kickstarter page or direct messages, our Facebook page, our Instagram page. So, um, you know, it's for a marketer like me, it's it's the perfect storm when you see the um, when you see it light up like that. So, um, but very quickly, and you know, part of the Kickstarter journey for us as well is to get that feedback and to you know to be able to refine our marketing messages and what what we take to the the full retail strategy part of the campaign. You know, once we're through, once we're through the Kickstarter part of the the product launch, so um, it's been a really valuable experience for us. Really, just understanding, well, you know, how are people thinking? What are they wanting to know about the product? And, and really, just refining that messaging. So we very quickly responded to those messages, making sure that we were getting back to people within twenty four hour period. We started with a draft list of FAQs of things we thought we might get asked, and that very quickly grew to a, a list about three times that size of all the questions and things that were coming in. Um, it also, just as we've gone, we've, we've built in and, and it's, you know, if we get three or four messages all about the same thing, it's obviously telling us that, you know, we haven't got enough out there in the general campaign tools that we're using, like the Kickstarter page or our website. And and as we've gone, we've taken that feedback on board and then turned it into more content for the page and, and just making sure that those key questions are being answered. And and we're using stretch goals in terms of our colour selection and um, and getting people's feedback on colours that they want to see and encouraging them to obviously hit different milestones in the campaign for us to unlock colours because a bigger order for us gives us more flexibility in terms of the colours that we can offer out there. So, yeah, they're just some of the things that we've embarked on. In the Facebook space, we've also been responding with video answers, which has been quite interesting and, and well-received by, by people thinking about the campaign. We've, and we've also noticed that a lot of potential backers are engaging us with us in multiple channels as well. So they won't just they won't just ask a question in Kickstarter. They'll ask it in Instagram, Facebook and Kickstarter all at the same time. So it's, um, you know, really important that you're across all channels and, you, and you're sort of monitoring and knowing who you're talking to and, and recognising that, oh, actually that was the same person that asked a question there, but they're asking in a different way, in a different channel and making sure you're on top of it all. So if there's any advice to other potential creators running a Kickstarter campaign out there, it would be um, make sure you carve out plenty of time for backer engagement and answering questions and being very responsive. People want to want to be responded to as quickly as possible and have the answers that uh, that they that you might come across. So at the moment, we're just finalising our shipping. We're getting lots of questions on shipping. Have a bit of a holding pattern as we're finalising contracts and. And negotiating based on the size of our order and, and we're about to bed that down now we've been very active in telling backers that it's coming and, and we'll be open and transparent with all the information that we put up there so making sure that you're timely making sure that you're accurate and having having enough time to deal with everything else that you've got in the campaign um you know they're the most important people is the people that are actually backing your campaign so make time for them absolutely so with hundreds of backers and you know hundreds of thousands of dollars already raised I know you've been working with our agency here at Inventus Partners for a while now. 
And we always really want to know for our audience, you know, what were some of the biggest considerations when you guys were looking to choose with an agency to partner with? Yeah, I mean, we, we, Clint and I uh, spoke about it. Clint found you, um, but you seem seemingly there. <laughs> you were head and shoulders above the pack. I don't think it was a terribly difficult decision on our on our part, was it, Clint? Yeah, no. Look, uh, I think look, we did talk to a number of agencies out there, and guess it came down to number one was the um, <laughs> your onboarding process. And- the level of questioning and and screening and level that you went to there gave me real confidence. So you're professionally outfit. Talking with the team from the outset and really, um, I guess it was just a really open, authentic, honest conversation about expectations and and ours and ours and yours. And really knowing that we had, uh, for me, I, I've got experience in all the different areas that we're working in with the team. Our challenge was how are we going to execute that and how are we going to hit that known audience in the US particularly and to have a whole team of experts in every area from Facebook to email to media to every different channel that we were looking at engaging in. Um, it was just, yeah, it was plugged straight into the team and, and we feel um, like we've we've got a, our team over in the US now, which has been just phenomenal. Absolutely. What's been the biggest thing for both of you that you've learned throughout the whole process of launching this Kickstarter campaign? The whole concept. It, it, I was not completely unfamiliar with the concept of you know crowdfunding, but uh, the the whole community concept and the level of support from backers, not just physically, you know, making a pledge, but the the comments and the supportive nature of the community. It's just been, it's been just incredibly encouraging. So I've got to say that's that's the outstanding or the standout for me. It's the genuine community uh, nature of, of, you know, the whole uh, crowdfunding you know, backing people, taking, you know, bringing something to market and taking a chance, uh, you know, it's, it's fabulous. I, I love it. And there's so many people just get on, uh, get on and send messages of encouragement, um, you know, and can't wait to get their chair and, uh, you know, it's just great, really, really, you know, and sort of spurs you on to, to, to make sure you're doing absolutely everything everything at uh, your disposal to get it out on time and, you know, uh, so, that, so that's the standout for me. Yeah, I think from my perspective, Roy, it's very much um, just in terms of and seconding what what um, David said, but also just Kickstarter and the crowdfunding space is just being such an excellent, innovative environment to be able to test test product and test ideas. I guess we're we're really rolling into this with having prototypes, as David mentioned, time and time again, and and really got you know at times I've seen David go back to the drawing board and. And just really get that product right, and we're at a point now where, you know, the, the crowdfunding concept for us was really, you know, we feel the product was good, and and we're getting great feedback, but we really need people to get behind it in terms of getting a commercially viable order to to actually get this product out to the world. Because you might have great product, great feedback, but you know, you get into that manufacturing space and you start talking with factories and shipping contracts and deals and it you know there's a massive barrier to entry for startups in that manufacturing space to to get up and going and off the ground with a a big enough order to make it commercially viable so it's just been um an excellent um platform for us to be able to do that and uh the other side of it is like i mentioned before is just that that feedback that you get directly from your from your customers and not only just your customers but their you know, people in that Kickstarter environment are early adopters. They're happy, like Dave mentioned, they're, you know, very supportive of 
of entrepreneurs and people trying to do something different in the world and to have that support and have that feedback and, you know, um, letting them know that that is just really going to feed into what we're doing here and, and they're, they're generally going to help us get this product out there and, and help thousands of spines across the world, which is, which is what we wanted from the outset. So it's just been, uh, yeah, it's been a great experience all around. Great. Well, this gets us into the launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. David, you drew the short straw, so you ready to go? I'm ready to go, Roy. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Possibly. I suppose it's in my nature a little bit. I am a, my mates do call me a bit of an ideas man. I'm sure I'm not alone there, but uh, this is probably a slightly different step. This is just something I've had to do. Um, this has become a mission. I've, I couldn't have gone happily to the grave without actually taking this on so um you know while it's entrepreneurial it's also been a mission to uh to change the way we look at the chance standard chair excellent so if you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history who would it be i like elon musk i'll be honest even though he's probably had some bad press lately no i i like him uh the, the direction he's going and the dash that he's got and the uh you know the basically the lack of fear so, um, yeah, I'd probably put him up there. Absolutely. What, what would be your first question for Elon? What drives you? Because he does seem to, um, you know, he, he's relentless. In, uh, you know, obviously he's just an incredibly driven person. I, I, yeah, I'd just like to know what, what really inspires him and drives him. Um, it's, there's, some, there's, a bur- there's a burning passion driving in him somewhere. I wonder where it comes from. Got it. What book's on your nightstand? Well, I probably should say anatomy books, but I'm over them. <laughs> All your chiropractor books, right? I'm not over them. I read I read plenty of journal articles, but uh, no, I'm, a, I'm to be honest, I'm a I'm a fiction novel reader. Does that mean is is that probably the wrong answer? No, there's no wrong answer. What book would you recommend to our audience? There's a there's a great what's his there's a great Charlie Parker series of novels uh, set up in Maine and the northeast of the U.S. that. Uh, that I absolutely love. Um, there's a, a series of them. I can't think of who writes them, but they, uh, which has inspired me to want to see more of part, well, a little bit of that part of the world. I haven't gone north of New York City. So they're all set up in Maine and uh, New Hampshire and up in that area. Well, David, today's your lucky day. You know that I'm from Maine, so I, I definitely have a hookup up there with a few properties. You're on. No, I've got to say, it's a, it's a part of the world I'm desperate to see. Beautiful. Absolutely. Well, let me know when you're ready to come up. All right, last question, David. What does the future of crowdfunding look like? It has absolutely turned me on the head. It's, uh, I think it's an incredibly exciting, exciting um, concept. I, I'm still getting my head around it. I, I think it's, it's going to have a massive impact on the world um, you know, for, the, for, the, for the support reason, but it's just for product testing, for getting communities together, for, get it, for educating for people, for, uh, oh, I, I, I don't know, the, the the sky's the limit. I, I really have got enormous um, faith in in the future of crowdfunding, for sure. It's a, it's a great concept. Well, David and Clint, this has been awesome. This is your opportunity to give your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should check you out. Thanks for listening in, guys. We're just blown away by the support that we've got from, from Kickstarter. Uh, if you jump onto Kickstarter, search for us, Workhorse Saddle Chair. Uh, our campaign is running until the 16th of December. We still have some great early bird deals on offer. The, the whole concept has come from the fact that the, the standard chair just doesn't work, guys. You don't 
back pain doesn't have to be inevitable. Postural deterioration doesn't have to be inevitable. So give it a try. Um, There is a different way to sit, and that's why we've brought the workhorse saddle chair to the market. So come and visit us, please. Excellent. Audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to the campaign, and everything we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backer Kit. And if you liked this episode as much as I did, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. David, Clint, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thanks, Roy. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time, Roy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.